Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. It's wonderful to be with you today. Uh, my name is Craig and a uh, privilege of being pastor here at, with the young adults in, in discipleship area and uh, the privilege of sharing uh, further in our series of Everyone Together and particularly around Everyone Connected. Now, this is a little bit of a risky start, uh, but there's been some people singing just like we are today, but in a very different context. Uh, you might recognise this lady. You might have seen her in the news just once or twice um, this week. And uh, I was reading this little article by Mia Friedman, who kind of was just talking about her experience of going to this uh, concert, Taylor Swift concert. She says these words, everyone was just so free. Our hearts were so open. It felt like being in an altered state, feeling so deeply understood, but amongst this enormous crowd. Shoulder to shoulder, screaming and singing and dancing. Taylor runs warm, she says. Taylor leans into being friendly and approachable and vulnerable. 24 hours later, she was reflecting, uh, Mia was, and saying, I, I went home and I was still feeling this buzz from this community that Taylor had created, the alchemy of bringing us together in a real life all over this world. It was transcendent. Wow, it's a pretty cool experience. Something of belonging, of connectedness, happened for her and many others that you might have seen. You know, friendship bracelets being exchanged, all these kind of things. You know, we are people that desire to relate to one another. Personally, one-on-one, but also to be part of something bigger. Now, there's actually, uh, you might experience throughout different stages of life, this life cycle of connectedness. You know, whether I've experienced this myself, a few more years to go yet, hopefully, uh, but from very early age, like zero to five-year-olds, like the ones up the back there, um, there's this willingness to actually connect on a pretty even layer. You know, the kids are willing to mix with one another, got a lollipop, have a lick, share it with the next person, um, or even to the point of like actually knowing, no, this is mine, you're not allowed to have it. Uh, you know, it's those extremes all within probably 10 seconds of one another. And for that's, you know, those early years, there's this engagement. We move on to the six to 11 age group, primary school, maybe building on the foundations of those first few years uh, where the parents were desperate um, to do anything other, you know, to connect with one another, those sleepless nights, not knowing what to do. Uh, so they came together, they bonded together and they've got their kids moving through primary school. But then we get to that point of age 12, moving to year seven. I know some parents are experiencing that right now. And there's like, whoa, all our world has changed. Maybe our relationships have changed. We're onto a new school and we get joined to um, connectedness through our academics or the skills we have or our sports interests. Moving along a bit further along, we're going to have five, six years of having the same friends if you're able to stay in the same school. And you get to that uni, TAFE, working age. You come out under your parents, from under your parents, and you're 
Vocation is different. Your relationship status, maybe that's changing there. Where you live, your spiritual maturity even. 28 to 55, now this is a very broad thing. I'm just using that 28 as often a linkage to like the average age, I think in Australia, of having a first child is 29, something like that. But roughly in this space, it's a bit of a fast-paced kind of supporting of dependence, there's career, there's an overlapping between our relational network and that of our children or nephews and nieces or extended family, the, the younger ones. Often what they are doing is what we join in with. But I've noticed even this, uh, as I've watched other families, that 55 plus, the empty nester space, um, where people have this renewed desire for connection because the kids have maybe left uh, the building and they're like, oh, we've got all this free time. I don't have to be a taxi service for the next, you know, all the time. And we're working into those legacy years where there's kind of competency in our work. We're in a certain rhythm of life. Grandchildren maybe need our attention. 67 plus retirement is in, in the, this phase of life. Maybe we come to a sadness of being widowed. Maybe you have more time, less finance, less mobility. But you've got an extended family focus. In every stage of our life, the question about where am I really connected is very real. And this question is often asked when we're trying to answer a different question of, am I okay? Our connection to others can shape so much of how we see ourselves, our self-esteem. We are created for relationship, God created us that way, a vertical relationship with him, but also a horizontal one with one another. So our focus together uh, on connection, how everyone can be connected, as we're particularly focused on the body of believers. And a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote a book called Life Together. And he kind of wrestled with this idea of how does the Christian community come together? He he lived in the early 1900s, a Lutheran theologian, professor, and a member of a German resistance movement during World War II during the reign of the Nazi government. That later saw him imprisoned and he ultimately was executed for his implication in an assassination attempt of Hitler. You know, Bonhoeffer thought a lot about Christian community and coming out of his own experience of kind of having much of it at one times, but then others being kind of pushed away from it. He had to leave the country exiled And he talked about two competing visions of Christian community. The first vision is one, and he kind of called this an idealistic dream world that we live in. Temptation to fall into this dream world. And he explains it this way, that we kind of have this dream of this perfect community where all our desires and our needs are met and we feel good. You know, we demand this ideal community uh, to be realised by God, by others, even by ourselves. We put pressure on ourselves to, to find this perfect community. But when we have this demand and we enter into the real experience of community with other Christians, with those personal desires and dreams, 
we find ourselves that we have set up some rules or laws of engagement in our own head about how this is going to happen. And we quickly move from those rules and laws and start judging other people, maybe God, even ourselves, whether we're holding the standard of our ideal. We realise that we have voted in ourselves as the creator of this community. And when things don't go our way, it can be seen as a failure. Then we become an accuser of others, of God and even ourselves, not living up to their ideal. You know, it's not working out. And so we can kind of throw in the towel or move on to a different group of people to try our ideal dream out with them. Maybe it'll work this time, we think. Now, Bonhoeffer, he said, you know, this is an unreal dream. It's a nice idea, but it just doesn't work. It can't carry the weight of our expectations. You know, this makes me squirm a little bit (laughs) as I think about this idea because I've definitely done this. I've definitely hoped for things that are unrealistic from other people as I desired more connection. Now, the dreamer's question is, will we fit together? But in the second vision that Bonhoeffer puts forward, he wants to ask the question, what holds us together? Not do we fit together, but what holds us together? So Bonhoeffer, as he searched the scriptures and he looked at the revelation of the person, the work of Jesus Christ, he saw that God has a vision his heart from heaven that is far greater and founded on God's truth that goes beyond kind of our gut feel of an ideal that we want to run after. So this picture shows that Jesus is in the midst of our relationships. It's not just human connection we are finding, it is Christian community based on the person of Jesus. It's a spiritual community, a spiritually impacted and formed community that is totally reliant on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And we know that scripture says all people are created in the image of God. And so that gives us kind of a lens of respect and honor for uh, for all people. But also we see that there is people adopted into the family of God. You know, someone that has accepted what God has done for them through Jesus, the death and resurrection, dealing with sin and death once and for all. As they take hold of that life, they find they're in a family. And Bonhoeffer, he kind of pointed out that this family gets an opportunity to actually do a few things for one another. One, when Jesus is at the centre, we get to be bringers of good news to one another speaking salvation, truth over one another, bringing faith uh, to others when we're feeling like we lack a fair bit of faith. Also, when Jesus is at the centre and we see people through that lens, he can bring a solution to conflict between one another. We have an open road to peace with one another. I can't just push you away 
I must answer to Jesus about how I'm going to relate to you. And he says, I have a way forward with what's between you and them. I will help you walk that way. The third thing that Bonhoeffer says that we can contribute, you know, we are good news bringers to one another, he can bring conflict solutions, but we are a part of an eternal family, a family that is united eternally. And it's held together by a divine love that is far beyond any kind of love we could have for one another by our own efforts. This little quote from Bonhoeffer, Christian fellowship is not an ideal which we must realise, it is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. It is already established, this connection to one another. He compares these two visions, the one of the dreamer idealist and the one that is connected through Jesus. And he says, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter even though his personal intention, as may be, ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. We might really want to connect with one another, but our ideal just cannot carry it. It's gotta come back to what God has put in place through his son, Jesus. We're not just gonna take Bonhoeffer's word for it, although he studied God's word to come to these ideas. We want to look at God's word itself, um, Colossians 3. Paul uh, and others are writing to the church in Colossae. He paints these, uh, a picture in words about a type of community that's founded on Jesus. You read on the screen with me as I read it out. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew, uh, sorry, Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is, is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As you hear this scripture, I wish to pause for a moment and think of one 
fellow brother or sister in Christ. Whether it's a spouse, a connect group member, a spiritual friend, a ministry colleague. If you saw them in this way that is on the screen there, you see them through the lens of what Jesus has done in them, has done in you, would that change anything in that relationship? With that person in mind, would it, this simple picture, would it convict us that maybe I haven't seen them this way? Or it might even bring hope that there is a new opportunity to see them this way. And that brings a whole new uh, set of possibilities into that relationship. We have a focus as a church, and it's coming out in this series um, for this year. Everyone following Jesus, everyone connected, everyone a blessing together. You know, everyone following Jesus, Nick talked about that last week, learning to grow in our listening and obedience to the voice of Jesus. Everyone connected, we're talking about that today. And next week, Dan will talk about everyone a blessing, expressing our gratitude and living into the mission to the world that God gave us. When we think about this term, everyone, it's quite a big goal, really, isn't it? <laughs> to say everyone connected. How is this possible? Well, everyone who follows Jesus, can they truly be connected? Well, we've already kind of said in what Bonhoeffer's talked about that actually we are connected, connected by Jesus. You know, there's no one church growth strategy that will accomplish us getting a feeling of being connected. There is a truth to take hold of about how we are already connected. You know, I don't want to offer hollow promises of a program that will fulfill all your desires because belonging is actually a reality of truth in Christ in our life. The pastoral leadership, you know, we put together some words that seeks to capture something at the heart of what we're aiming for as we think about this idea of everyone connected. It says, we are a people who participate and pay attention to one another with the love of Jesus. This first phrase, we are a people. It's, we are a people shaped by the love of Jesus. You know, we love because he first loved us. As we look back to that Colossians passage, we see um, time and time again, Paul kind of describing our identity, what kind of people we really are if we've trusted in him, in Jesus. Verse 10 of that passage, uh, Colossians 3. Each person is being recreated, putting on a new self, being renewed in the knowledge and the image of creator. There is no favorites in this community. There's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free. Christ is all and is in all. We are loved and chosen to be made holy. Jesus has peace to give us as a community. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, it says in verse 15. And we have a message of Christ, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly. May you take hold of that message over and over and over again. That's why we sing those songs that, uh, that speak over and over the reality of what Christ has done for us. As we sing, we are commending that to one another. You know, we are a people as a statement of identity about who we are. When we know that is who we are, we don't have to fake it. We just need to recognise it and welcome it. It's God's role to move us into Christ-likeness. It is he that makes us this way. Not us, like we talked about last week, us to strive for our own righteousness. So what kind of people are we? We are people who participate with the love of Jesus. You know, the opposite to participation is absence or abstaining or holding back. You know, I came uh, last few years of being ministering up in Geraldton and at some level it's a reasonably transient population, not as transient as those really up north. But people often struggle to be fully present in that community. They're either coming from somewhere or they're going somewhere else. To be fully present, to participate, can be quite a, a mental effort. But our participation, shaped by the love of Jesus, you know, Hebrews 10 picks it up, doesn't it? Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Everyone connected, we are a people who participate and pay attention to one another with the love of Jesus. The opposite of paying attention is to ignore, to deny, to tune out, to be deaf to, to, be, to disregard. You know, uh, some of those, you might have been watching parents, you have this particular skill, I'm sure I developed it for a short period of time, when your kids are going absolutely crazy and you can't hear a thing. You just learn to zone it out. And everyone else is like, why didn't they do something with that child? And they're like, they're oblivious. It's just a particular thing that God puts grace into parents' life somehow. You know, there's reasons why we don't pay attention to one another with the love of Jesus. It can be coming down to we concentrate on our own selves and our own agenda. We want to ask for heart change there. Or we could be distracted a little phone in our hand can be a significant distraction. Or maybe we're spread too thin, trying to give attention to so many things that it's hard to really give attention to the people who I'm in the midst of. As we participate and pay attention with the love of Jesus, we can find that rather than being unrealistic dreamers, we can have Christian community that is real and we can relax into what Jesus has for us. And we become people who are thankful recipients rather than demanders of other people. We let them be with Christ. We release, <laughs> we 
We release them from attempts to regulate them, coerce them, dominate them, even through acts of love. They need their space. We need our space, but we wanna come together as people who are loved by Jesus. Someone once said, um, maybe it was Bonifacio. I was reading this week, this spiritual love we can have for one another, when we have this spiritual love, we will speak to Christ about our brother and sister more than to a brother about Christ. You know, we're feeling uh, kind of agitated in our relationship perhaps. Maybe we need to stop and pray and ask God, how might I see this person with your eyes? You know, as we seek to have everyone connected, we're talking about a spiritual reality for us to lean into. But we know that actually there's the ways that we organize ourselves, how we come together, how we gather, the times we spend to one another. So we've kind of got this quantity of connection and this quality of connection coming together. First of all, I want to just quickly uh, talk to you about the quantity of connection. We are, our life is made up of many networks, different people, whether it's uh, close family or mentors, work colleagues, different friendships. And we have those relationships in lots of different settings. People we live with, where we do our recreation, the connect group we're a part of, volunteering online. And the amount of time we spend with people daily, weekly, monthly, all of these dynamics can change the way we feel about those interactions. Now, there's this, um, this idea that comes from Joseph Myers from a book, The Search to Belong. So if he fleshes out some work from Edward Hall in the 1960s about how humans interact. And when someone shared it with me, I found it very helpful as I came into the way I thought about connecting with Christian community. And I want to share that with you today. It's about belonging and being connected at different levels. There's a picture that's going to come up on the screen, just in these four different spaces. You might recognize this in your, your own experience. There's the intimate space on the left, where there's capacity to share our deeper vulnerabilities, maybe with one or two others, maybe a spouse, a very close friend, an accountability partner, where we share kind of not faked information about who we are. We're not ashamed to share that. There's a high level of vulnerability in that spaces, the potential for. And then there's this personal space, small groups, you know, five to 12, where we share private experiences, our thoughts and feelings, but there's that little bit of a step of removedness in that. And then the social space, 20 to 50 people there, it could be even up to 70, where we share an authentic snapshot of who we are and shows you kind of what it would like, be like to be a close friend with us. You know, think of you know, your average 21st birthday party. Not everyone knows everyone there, but they're okay to be there because they got invited by the person that's having their party. It's a safe space, but we're not there to know one another intimately. 
And then we have the public space. We're at 70 plus, we're in a bigger gathering here today, where we share a common experience and connect through an outside influence. You know, that Taylor Swift concert, 96,000 people. Very public space, but people finding belonging even in there. In each of these areas, there's different levels of intimacy and vulnerability and even different capacities of people to actually lead a group of that size. In each of these spaces, there's kind of these unwritten rules that we automatically operate by, and uh, belonging can occur in each one of them, but just to a different degree and type. So even in this auditorium, you are not going to talk to one another after. It's impossible. But at times, and I'm sure you've felt this, this large auditorium feels very small. It feels like we are connected through what's going on, that the Spirit is at work in each one of us. Now, you will feel the dynamic of this as you visit different ministries in the life of Mounties, as you even visit the campuses, uh, Honeywood and Thornley, the way they participate with one another is different than the way that we participate with each other here. As a little snapshot, I'm a pastor of the young adults and I just wanted to uh, bring up on the screen. Um, young adults have little these intimate spaces of MP3s or mentorship and that can be a way that this intimate space works out. We have this private space of connect groups or short-term missions or small teams serving together. We have a social space like our all-in uh, DIY quiz night on Wednesday that we had, or the Sunday lunches and we gather together after the second service. And they're obviously part of these wider church services led from the stage Kind of a whole joining this together is uh, a young adult retreat. We've kind of, it's a shameless plug um, for uh, the young adult retreat coming up in April, where all of these four types of spaces end up interacting one on one, small groups we have, fun activities, talks, where, and worship. We're all in together. Just quickly before I finish, the quality of our connections. We want to be aware of not just how many connections we have, but what is the depth of those connections. There's just these, uh, my friends that I want to quickly introduce you to that we experienced from Geraldton. I think there's a, a picture of them coming up on the screen. Thank you. These guys are precious friends to us. We're up there, Andy to the right, Jack on the left, Ben and Grace. And we shared some times that were so significant and powerful, drawn together from uh, the UK and over east, and we found ourselves in Geraldton. And the richness of our connection because what Jesus was doing in each, one's, each other's lives 
We would spend dinners together. We would be praying for one another. We'd be sharing the challenges of ministry. In the truths of that scripture in Colossians 3 came alive as we shared life with each one. A mutual respect for, one, for Christ in one another. Not overreaching, not forcing, not demanding, being honest. When we did hurt one another, when we took liberties, we felt stress, forgiveness was shared. Compassion was shared. This flowed out into the way that we would live and encourage other people around us. We ended up uh, leading a discipleship year. We'll move on to that next picture if we could. The first of three discipleship years in Geraldton, where it was an accelerated journey of walking together in, with Jesus. And we found that as people spent uh, week after week listening to God's word, learning, applying, praying, eating together, sharing stories, that people at the end of the year would be saying, the best thing about this was the Christian community. It spoke into their life of something of the quality and the quantity together, a common purpose, submitting to one another. As we finish, I want you to think about where is this land for you? Do you have Jesus at the center of your vision for Christian community? What are your hopes as you gather here as part of Mounties? I want to encourage you to go after this spiritual reality of what Jesus has already placed amongst us. To invest in that, to welcome it. To not push something on others, but that we might keep our eyes on Jesus and that would be the focus and how it trickles out in our own life. As we finish, I just wanted to do one last little slow reading of Colossians 3. And you might like to close your eyes and just listen and ask the Holy Spirit to speak into maybe a particular relationship you're in amongst a fellow believer or maybe it's impetus to join some people that you haven't yet. Maybe you come to the big space, the big public space, but you need a smaller space a connect group, uh, an MP3, uh, a friendship relationship where you can share something more deeper of your life to experience that belonging with one another. Let me read to, to you as we finish Colossians 3, some excerpts from there, and just let God minister to you through it. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, but Christ, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. I can invite the team to come and uh, lead us in their last song. And uh, it just causes us to think about lifting up our eyes to the King who we serve, the one that pulls us together, that actually creates community in a way that we can't just systematically make happen here. We rely on Him to bring us everyone connected. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.